What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where I sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. I know you are like me. We are all trying to figure out the best way, sometimes even if it means shortcuts, to be the leader we were created to be. I know so many times in my journey, I've wanted to microwave it a little bit and speed things up, and you find out that God's plan sometimes takes a little longer, isn't exactly what we would choose, but always gets us to the place that we always wanted to be. You know, we began this podcast journey talking about that definition that the Blackabees give us of spiritual leadership. Leadership is moving people onto our agenda. Spiritual leadership is learning how to move people onto God's agenda. And that's been our goal, to talk to some of America's best, brightest, and greatest leaders and find out how they, in the industry they've been put in, have learned to lead with their faith out in front. I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode as we sit down with Jeff Henderson. Jeff's been a longtime friend. Jeff began the Buckhead Church uh, campus for Andy and his North Point ministry team. And we have watched God use these guys in amazing ways, not only at Buckhead, but at Gwinnett Church, uh, where Jeff leads now. But even more important than that, Jeff's background in business gives him an incredible insight into the world that so many of his people walk in every day. So pull up a chair and listen in for my time with Jeff Henderson. Jeff, it is an honor to have you on Lynch with a Leader and get to spend a little bit of time with you. Thanks so much for taking time to be with me today. Mike, I'm so honored to be here. You're one of my favorite people. And um, so just, I'm really, really honored and, and, and puzzled why you selected me to be on this podcast. So, <laughs> well, very I, think, humble, very humble. I think I speak for a lot of people. I think we all know why you're on here. Jeff, you're, you're one of those guys. And one of my, I was telling everybody I talked to about you, I said, Jeff's one of the guys that gets it but didn't know he gets it. And that's what makes you so enjoyable to be around <laughs> is because, you know, you know, you look back at your career, Jeff, and you've been a part of two incredible organizations with your time at Chick-fil-A and then really being the first campus of North Point Ministries when right. you were down at Buckhead. As you look back in the rearview mirror a little bit, what are some things that Chick-fil-A and North Point have in common that make them so successful? What would you say? It's interesting, Mike, you bring that up because when I left Chick-fil-A and went into now I'm a lead pastor of, of, a, of a multi-site church, I felt like it was kind of a weird career move. And I kind of, you know, I was in the business world. And so I felt like I was starting all over, but it wasn't like one or two weeks in that I realized, oh, all the experience and lessons I learned from Chick-fil-A, it's just coming out because it really is all about people and leading people. And, and even Dan Cathy, you know, our friend at Chick-fil-A, he says, we're not in the chicken business, we're in the people business. And it really is, it's leading people. And there were so similarities. And then I, and so when I just, I felt all these lessons that, that I had learned from Chick-fil-A coming out of me, I realized that there are a lot of similarities more than differences between 
you know, organizations, and particularly in this case, Chick-fil-A and North Point. In fact, the biggest difference I tell people is I'm open on Sundays now at North Point. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, I'm on Sunday. Very, so, that's a very good point, man. That, that's really honestly the biggest difference. There's, but it's about leading people, excellence, strategy, and, and paying attention to what's most important and, and having a positive influence on people. And positive influence on people is great business strategy. And it's a great church strategy. So you leave, you leave Chick-fil-A, you go to be a campus for North Point. Did you begin originally with Andy at, with the intent of opening Buckhead? Was that how it all came together? Or did you do something at Alpharetta before going down there? Well, I attended Alpharetta and uh, I was a volunteer. I served on guest services. I served as a small group leader and, but really didn't, you know, I'm a preacher's kid. So I promised myself I would never do this, Mike. So you know, never tell God you're never going to do something. <laughs> and um, we just fell in love with the mission of, of what North Point was all about and obviously still do. And when Buckhead actually had started with a, with, from another uh, church in the Buckhead area, and there were people that just were doing it. They weren't affiliated with North Point, and uh, but somebody knew Andy, and so they started meeting with Andy. And long story short, North Point said, "Well, let's just partner with you." And so when they decided to do that, that's when North Point approached me about joining the team at Buckhead, and uh, started as the small groups director there, and then uh, became lead pastor shortly after. And then we were in a renovated grocery store, which I actually loved. Uh, it was, you know, still had the grocery store do doors that opened up. You know, it's video church. Nobody thought this was going to work. There's no reason it should work other than God was in it, obviously. And then just to see what happened. So, um, but so I'll tell you this, when I left Chick-fil-A, Mike, there were 70 people in the marketing department. I wrote everyone a handwritten note to say, thank you for my time here at Chick-fil-A. But the underlying message was, if video church doesn't work, can I come back and work here? Because <laughs> I'm Always pretty keep sure your options open, Jeff. That's right. That's I'm pretty sure Chick-fil-A is going to keep thriving. So one of the things I tell young leaders is, and it doesn't really matter your age, one of the most important things you can do is leave well. Leave mm. well. Because uh, it, it's just, it, it honors the people that you're leaving, but who knows what the future may hold. So leave well. Do, why do you think that's a struggle for people? I want to dive in on that a little bit, Jeff. Why do you think that's a struggle for so many leaders that feel like they have to to, they have to leave a, a grenade behind them on the bridge on the way out. What, why do you think leaving well is hard for people? Because I think, Mike, they think it doesn't follow them. Mm. It does follow them. And it's, again, it's what, what is the story that you are telling? There's a story that you're going to tell. And this is one of the many things I've learned from Andy Stanley's. What, what is the story that you want to be told here? What, what story do you want to tell? And I wanted to I wanted the story at Chick-fil-A to be told that I left well and left the organization in a, a great position. And uh, the same thing when I left Buckhead Church to do this. I wanted to leave Buckhead in a, in a great position and hand it off to a leader uh, to do even greater things. And so, um, but that story's going to follow you. There's not, a, there's not a cut the cord and then it's, it's just over. It's going to follow you. And I also think, Mike, it's, a, it's an ego test, too. Mm. Um, I, I, I read a book this year called Ego is the Enemy. I don't think it's a Christian book, but um, it's true. It's been a great book, but Ego is the Enemy. And um, so it, to leave well requires humility. And that's, that's the challenge of any leader is that, that ego. It's all in us. That's so good. 
That is so good. You know, and I think one of the things that everybody that if everybody could have lunch with you and sit down with you, they would go, all right, what's it like to work with Andy? I mean, Andy, to me and our generation is the is the epitome of of the gold standard of leadership. And I mean, it really is sort of across all spectrums. He and John Maxwell are sort of the leadership guys for this generation. Right. What's it been like to work up close and personal with Andy? And what are some of the things you've taken from him that most people wouldn't expect? Well, I do think people will expect this, that he's the real deal. And Andy's not going to tell you to get in a small group if he's not in a small group himself. And he's not going to tell you to give first, save second, live on the rest if he's not giving first, saving second, living on the rest. And I think sometimes in church world, um, there, there, we can ask people to do things that we're not currently doing. And obviously there are programs that we might not be involved in, but, but the, the, the building blocks of what you're trying to do, what God's called you to do, you got to be the real deal. You got to go first. And Andy goes first. Um, mm. He goes first. And the other thing he does is the, the, the leadership lessons that he teaches other people, um, such as play to your strengths. You know, he's on Wednesdays, he carves out Wednesdays for sermon prep and he, you know, try to get, to a place in the organization where you do the things that only you can do. And if you're starting out, if you, you know, in the early days of a church, that's hard to do. And, and, uh, but he's really worked toward that of doing the things that only he can do. And, um, and the other thing is he's great about intentional apprenticing, giving guys like me opportunities. I, I would say the early days of Buckhead church, Andy let me experiment and do things. And I didn't really, you know, if I'm him, I could have easily called me every week and said, what are you doing? What's going on? You know, we're investing a lot of money. This thing's got to work. He let me lead, uh, you know, a former chicken salesman. He let me lead. <laughs> now, if he saw something, came in and saw something, you know, we would certainly have discussions about it. Hey, what do you think about this or that? But he never, he, he, he very rarely powered up and said, I'm going to jump in and change this thing. And I know he got feedback from people going, you know, this is different and what's going on. And, uh, but he allowed me to lead in, in ways that might've been different uh, approach than he would, but he let me do that. So he, in terms of intentional apprenticing, um, he gave me room to be able to lead. And again, you have to understand in the early days of Buckhead, this was our very first multi-site. So he would have had every reason to come down every day and go, what, what's going on down here? But he let me lead. He coached me, but he gave me space and margin. And, um, and he trusted me. And so that, you know, when a leader trusts you, um, that you want to live up to that kind of trust. So you are beginning this time in Buckhead. Would you, and, and I know in this world you're in now, you're seen as, man, Jeff is a great communicator. Go back to those days when you were beginning Buckhead. Did you have the same communication abilities that you have now, or have those been honed over these years you've been in that system? It's certainly been honed. I, I mean, I've learned so much from, from Andy and him coaching me, uh, just and seeing him do what he does, seeing guys like you, though. I mean, I, the thing about the wonderful world of the Internet is I can get coached by you and other guys, mm. and I don't have to sit down with them. So I get to watch what you do and other guys do. Now, I, I started communicating when I was a junior in high school. My dad and I had a, a student ministry. We would travel around together. And that's where I cut my teeth. I do believe in this Malcolm Gladwell statement that you need about a, about 10,000 hours yep. to become an, an expert or proficient rather at something. 
I don't know if the 10,000 hours is right, but you just need more reps. And what I tell younger communicators is you, you need, you need reps. I remember Louis Giglio telling me, you know, in the early days, if somebody asks you to speak, the answer is yes, because mm. it's, it's a rep. And he told me the story of going and preaching to three guys in prison. And, you know, those three guys probably didn't like the message, but he was, <laughs> he was, it was a, it was a rep for him. And obviously, you know, wanted to help those guys as well. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, there's a system. I believe in systems and I've, I've learned that, but I think you also have to develop your own style. Mm. And so that's one of the things that's, that, that you've got to figure out is what, what's the difference between your style and your voice than maybe someone else on staff or, uh, you know, the guys that, the folks that communicate at North Star, you know, they can learn from you in terms of principles, but where is their voice? How do they approach this? It doesn't have to necessarily be exactly like how Mike would do it or how Andy would do it. And um, so I've discovered that there, I believe there are four voices, four communicator voices and discovering which one of these voices is your strength is very helpful. There's the teacher voice, there's the motivator voice, there's the visionary voice and there's the storyteller voice. And each one of those voices has a strength and each one of those voices has a weakness. And I, I can give you a quick example. Yeah, please. Um, the, let's say the voice of the teacher. The strength of the teacher is content. And he or she knows the content. They know it inside and out. They're passionate about it. They believe it's incredible content. And so they, they, their biggest struggle is they don't have enough time. You know, can you give me an hour and a half? Because I, I really want to I really want to teach this out. The weakness of the voice of the teacher is connection. And they can dive into their content before they bring everybody in understanding why we need to talk about this. And so the teacher is focused on what the content is, but they also need to be focused on why is this content even important? So the, the best place for a teacher to start is assume the worst. Assume that the people in the room could not care less about what you're about to say. In the first five or 10 minutes, convince them that they need to keep listening. If you can do that and then combine your strength of content as a teacher, that's the win. Mm. So those four voices are something that I've observed over these almost 15 years of doing this. And um, so when I coach communicators, I, I tell them which one of these voices do you think, I actually have a little test that they go through. And then, um, and then I try to make sure that they understand their strength, but avoid the weakness. So those are just some things I've kind of learned over the years. Well, that is real. I've never, is that something you developed, Jeff? It is. Those, yeah. That is really, where do, where do you feel like you fall in those four categories? I'm the motivator. So I can motivate. And the difference between motivator and visionary motivator is I want to motivate you. Visionary is I want to change the world. Hmm. And, um, and so for me as a motivator, I can get up and I have the opposite of a teacher. So I can probably connect pretty well in the first five or 10 minutes, but if I'm not careful, I can skimp on preparation content. And we've all seen communicators do this, that gosh, they, he or she get up there and it's the first five or 10 minutes are awesome. But then the energy level dips because the content's kind of light. Yep. And so what I tell motivators is um, be sure that in the middle part of your message, that the content is really strong and you're going to have to work on that content. And because if not, you'll just rely on your gifting in the first five or 10 minutes, but you'll lose people around minute number 11 or 12. We'll be engaged and motivated. Um, but so the, the, the question the motivator has to ask in preparation is what do I want 
the audience to do as a result of this talk? Specifically, what do I want them to do? I want them to start giving more. Do I want them to start serving? Do I want them to do something in their marriage or at work? And then build the content around that because you're going to motivate them at the beginning, at the end of the message, but it's the middle part of the message that's going to be your weakness if you're a motivator. That is really, really good. And, you know, it's, it, it's funny, you, you hear those things, and I think I naturally know where I fall in those categories. It, is that something that you see people change with over time? Can they develop those strengths and weaknesses? Or, or is it, this is probably who you're going to be now, be the best you can be in that category? Probably a little bit of both. I'll, I'll say this too, Mike, there's probably uh, a dominant voice and then a next dominant voice. So that I would say for, for me, it's probably motivator and visionary uh, part of that. Uh, so you can have like a secondary voice, but you can get better and you can build up the weakness. Uh, you can get stronger in that particular area, but what you don't want to do is wish you had another voice. Mm. You, know, you don't want to do a personality test and wish uh, you had, you know, another, like there's, we're, we're real big in the right path personality test at yeah. point. And my, my right path is encourager. And I, I wish I had something more masculine than encourager. <laughs> I wanted something like warrior or, you know, something like that. But so you always want, you know, something that you don't have, I guess. And uh, so, yes, but you can work on your content. It's, I think that it will just be a little harder developing the middle part of your talk than the first part of your talk. Um, and, but, but don't shrug your shoulders and go, well, I'm a motivator, so I'm just not gonna you know, work on my content. You, you, you can work on the content. Yeah, that's really, Howard, do you have a process in place you're trying to develop some of your young guys at Gwinnett that you, do you strategically work with them after their messages? Oh yes, before and after. So we've got uh, we've got a guy on staff in two, three weeks actually. He does his first uh, first message uh, on a Sunday morning, and so we've already gone through it with him three times. And then next week he gets on the stage, and there's seven of us in the room, and he does it. And so imagine how awkward that is going to be for him. So he's going to um, do it in front of seven of you before he does it in front of everybody. Right. 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 Wow. And, and that's one of the things I coach guys on is that you know. If you can, now it's hard for guys like you and Andy that speak at the, at the frequency that you do, but for guys like me and, or a youth pastor that might get a shot, you know, every, you know, once in a while, um, you can do this, but practice your message. And, and, and it, some guys will resist this and go, well, I, I don't want to be handcuffed. No, actually what you're going to discover is the more prepared you are, yeah. the more spontaneous and freeing that you're going to be. Yeah. So um, he'll do it. We'll record it. We'll actually have him watch it himself. Um, and then after it's done, we'll obviously be giving him feedback um, between services, but then he'll watch it, watch it again, and we'll watch it with him and go over it with him again. So he'll be very adequately prepared. He'll be very adequately evaluated. The challenge is, is we don't want necessarily this to send anyone into counseling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And we, we could do that, you know, if we're yeah. not careful, you know, we're, it's important. It's highly, highly important, but, you know, do your best and Jesus is still Lord. So, you know, whatever happens. So I don't want people to be petrified, but I do want them to be prepared. And, uh, and Andy has said, the, you know, the, the best way that you can get better is to watch yourself yes. give a talk or listen to yourself give a talk. The wonderful thing about technology nowadays is you can watch yourself or listen to yourself give a talk before you give the talk. 
Yep. And if you can do that and, and be that prepared and, and then, you know, as awkward as it gonna, it's going to be for clip, and if, you know, next week to do this, it's much more awkward to, to have a talk that bombs in front of a lot of people versus just seven. That's and, exactly uh, right. And his talk's not going to bomb, but, but we just want to be prepared that, Hey, when you wake up on Sunday, we want you to look forward to it and not like, Oh no, you know, yeah. I'm so nervous. So. That's right. Well, it's so funny. I know I still do a little run through what for a few years we did a, uh, another campus and we, we spun them off, but I would record it on Thursdays to an empty auditorium and I loved it yeah. because I felt I'm an auditory person. And so as I was speaking, I was thinking of things I never thought of while I was sitting in a quiet room studying. Cause I, the more I say it out loud, the more real it is to me. And I'm like, Oh man, I need to say that there, this transition. Right. And when I'm sitting looking at a piece of paper and a book, you know, I, I'm not, I don't think like I think when I'm talking. Yeah. It's, you've got to bring it to life. You've got to, you've got to take those words off a computer screen or a piece of paper and, bring it to life because that's what you're going to do looking at it is, is good but you got that's not you're not going to hand out hand out the paper and have everybody read that morning you know? <laughs> that's exactly right so you've got jeff henderson and i know a lot of our folks aren't pastors they're they're coaches they're in the the business climate and the business world during the week you run a lot of people so how many staff do you have at your gwinnett campus how many staff and attenders do you have there so we have uh, 52 staff. Now that includes uh, uh, interns. We, we call the leadership development yep. program, so uh, and some part-time folks. And then when you add kids into the to mix, we're we're running a little over 5,000 5, people here. So um, and um, so yeah. So we've uh, we've been in this current building for about two and a half years. So as a leader, how does Jeff Henderson? develop himself as a leader because you never have it all figured out. You brought in an incredible 20 plus years in the business world that you brought in to the church world. How do you continue to stretch and grow yourself as a leader of those 52 staff and of those people that call Gwinnett home and the, the people in Gwinnett that don't even know they need to go to church yet that you're trying right. to reach. How right. do you, how do you grow yourself, Jeff? Well, True Kathy, the, the, the founder of Chick-fil-A, uh, who's uh, a hero of mine and passed away a couple years ago, he told me the, the best way that you improve is the books you read and the people you interact with. Uh, the books you read and the people you interact with. So I, I've just been a firm believer in having a reading list and a goal each year of reading a number of books um, each year. And then I'm very intentional about surrounding myself with people that are going to challenge me, that are further ahead. And it may not even be people that I'm meeting with personally, but it's people that I'm following. But I do have a system of people that I get together with on a regular basis. I have two friends of mine at Chick-fil-A, actually. They're still there, and I'm actually getting together with them next week. We, have, we go on a retreat mm. twice a year. We get together eight times a year. And these guys are just, they're running at a level that I'm not, I'm not at. And so they are facing things in the business world that keeps it fresh for me. And um, it's so those guys stretch me. I have a personal advisory board that I meet with. Uh, I just stole this idea from Jim Collins in his book, um, Built to Last. And um, I, you know, his point was if Coca Cola has a board, you should have a board. So I'm like, okay, well, I have a board and these guys, and, and I bring my wife on some of these meetings as well. 
And it's not just about organizational, it's about personal life because you can't have a healthy organization with unhealthy people. Hmm. And you certainly can't have a healthy organization with unhealthy leaders. And so one of the best things I can do for my staff and the church I lead, uh, or not my staff, but our staff, yep. is, um, is a healthy version of me. And, um, and that's a battle. And, um, you know, I think people think that because we're pastors, Mike, that we don't have to battle that. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's a struggle, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I never, I never say that I went in full-time ministry when I left the business world. I, I was a Christian. I became a follower of Jesus at the age of 10. So every job I had from a busboy to Chick-fil-A, I was already in full-time ministry. That said, um, this job, um, when people look across from me, we've got a funeral here today and say, why did my father die? Why did my mother mm. die? Those were questions that I didn't necessarily have to process in the business world. That's so right. there's, an, there's an emotional weight to this. So I have to make sure that I'm running at a healthy, healthy space and pace. And um, I, I'm an idea guy, so I can run ahead with ideas. And uh, so I've got to be, be careful that my pace is good. Um, so I, I meet with a counselor. I've got guys that I'm meeting with. Uh, my wife is involved in this process and um, I'm looking for learning opportunities and, um, and I've got a pretty healthy book list that I'm going through. So, I mean, that for me is how, how I do it. I'm not saying that's the way. Sure. And I, and I love that. And I love the personal advisory board. And I remember you reading that years ago in Colin's book. What's the biggest thing, Jeff, you say to a guy who's listening that says, man, I, you know, I lead my company. I've got a board there. Why do I need another personal board in my life? What, what would you say to them? Because there's probably things in the board, your business board that, that you won't share with them on a personal level. And part of this is just getting things, saying it out loud and bringing it into the light. Mm. You know, our mutual friend, John Woodall says that when you bring something darkness into the light, it loses a lot of its power over you. And so you might have a problem with some of your board members. You might have a problem with some of your leadership team. Some of those things you just need to voice with a counselor or personal advisory board on a personal level. The problem in the business world, and I see this all the time and it really bothers me, is we've separated the, the business person and the personal person. We've gotten so, you know, I guess with lawyers, we, you know, we can't get too touchy-feely, but we're actually human beings. Hmm. And, and we, can, we should be able to process in some form or fashion, how are we doing um, emotionally? And it is, it is a fantastic business strategy to have an emotionally healthy leadership team, an emotionally healthy leader, and an emotionally healthy staff. Because if you don't have an emotionally healthy team, you can have the best strategy, but just give it time. It will erode the best strategy. Um, and some, you know, in a real connection, you know, Peter Drucker says, culture each strategy for breakfast. Yep. And uh, I think you can wrap emotional healthy and, and healthiness into the culture piece. So if you're not processing what's going on inside you personally, it will show up in the business. Um, because as you, as you bring you into the business, all of that comes with you. And I, I think we've made a, I think we've done a great disservice in the business world, honestly, of depersonalizing um, business leaders. And it's all about the strategy and the tactics and the, you know, with the share price and all of that is really important. But I'm telling you, if we, if we dig 
deep personalized business, it will show up at the bottom line eventually. So as a, as a leader leads, whether it's corporate, whether it's, it's, it's in the church world, wherever it's at, and they are, they are leading their teams, they're pouring into their people. I think everybody's got a passion for leadership. I think that's pretty universal among most entrepreneurs that I meet and even church, church people that I meet and right. business people that I meet. They, they want to know leadership. How would you define the difference between leadership and spiritual leadership? What, what, do, what does spiritual leadership mean to Jeff Henderson? Well, first of all, I would say whatever Mike Lynch says about spiritual leadership, that would, that would, <laughs> that would be nice. Um, but I do think spiritual leadership goes uh, in some ways back to what I was just talking about. How am I leading myself? How am, I allow, how am I allowing the Lord to lead, lead me? And um, am I growing in my relationship with Jesus? And where is that most evidence? I think that's most evidenced in my relationship with my wife. Because the scriptures say, you know, um, love your wife like Christ loved the church. He didn't say, love the church that you lead like Christ loved the church he, he led. So um, how, how are Wendy and I doing? And then am I a great dad? And there's no perfect husband. There's no perfect father. But am I, am I, and those three people, how am I doing? Because I think that will show how, how my spiritual leadership is going. I could fake it you know, at church, but if it's not going, if, if the home life is, is not great, then I think that's an indication that something's going wrong spiritually inside of me. And um, so how am I growing? How am I doing with Jesus? You know, I want to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, but am I in a growing relationship with Jesus? And if I'm not, then I put a lid on my leadership here. So the spiritual leadership that I think I have responsibility for, in my life will flow to the other part of that. So I guess to your question, I think the spiritual leadership for me is, am I growing in my relationship with Jesus? That's, that's a question I want to ask. And my board asks Wendy, uh, my kids have never met with my board. Um, but I think, you know, um, I, I just want to be very intentional with them. Um, because I think those are indicators. How am I doing as a husband and how am I doing as a father? Well, that's really good. And those are the people that know you best and they definitely see you, see you on your, on your best and your worst at right. times. What do you do? What are some, what are some tools that you use Jeff to keep yourself healthy spiritually where you're in a good place in your spiritual journey? What are some disciplines and things about you that, that have kept you going? I, Mike, I really believe there's a connection between spiritual disciplines and spiritual life and your physical disciplines and your physical life. I really believe in that. And I try to work out on a very consistent basis. I've hurt my back. So it's, it's, uh, I'm having to do, you know, some different stretching and stuff. And I've even felt a little bit of the stress that I'm not able to work out because of, uh, of an injury I have right now. And I've, I've been able to go, wow, once I get my back and, you know, back, uh, no pun intended. I'm going to, I've got to keep this. So I, I carve out the morning and I don't do any morning meetings uh, before nine other than, um, you know, fitness and spiritual disciplines in the morning. And I, I know some people like to journal and some people don't like to journal. Um, I'm a journaler, so I, I like to do that. Uh, and there's some, some spiritual exercise. I created this thing uh, for our staff that I actually go through uh, say seven things that you're grateful for. One thing that you're 
praying long for, like in 10 years from now, that can't happen, but you're praying big. It's going to be, it's going to be something big. Like for many of them, it's like, I want to be financially free in 10 years or whatever. Um, I'll ask for help, ask for help and then pray for someone else. Mm. So I have this little sheet that I go through. I've given everyone and some like it and some like, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to do different things, but there's different disciplines and systems that I, that I use. I don't want to systematize God though. So yeah. you've got to be careful with that. Um, and so I'll try to change it up some, but really the morning routine for me, um, I'll take my son to school. He's about to start driving. So that'll, that'll change up a little bit. I'll definitely be praying more. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Um, but I think the morning disciplines for me, uh, set the day, but I'll say this, and this is another thing John Woodall taught me that a great day begins the night before. Mm. So one of the things I try to do is before I go to bed, write down three things I'm thankful for. And one thing I would like to see happen the next day. Um, I think it puts your mind and, and heart at rest, uh, that you've, you've, you've had to write down three things you're grateful for and then dream about one thing or, Hey, I want one thing to happen tomorrow. That's going to be helpful. Um, and so that helps the day begin the night before. That is so good. So, so in the middle of leading Gwinnett, in the middle of, I know you do a preaching rocket and a lot of things you work with on that, you launch a new podcast with your buddies at Chick-fil-A uh, on Launch University. Tell, tell everybody a little bit about where that, was that just something that was a great outlet for you on the side to be working still with some entrepreneurs? Where did that come from? Well, it really came from, if you remember when, when we talked about, you know, the books you read and the people you interact yep. with, well, David Farmer and Shane Benson and I, we would put together a list of people that we would want to go travel and see. And uh, they have a lot more connections. So one time we went out to Facebook and actually got a tour of Facebook. Wow. Their team, it was so helpful. And then we just said, you know what? There's a stewardship responsibility here. Um, I feel like we need to record these conversations we're having and let other people in. And so that's when we said, well, why don't we just do that? So like we would meet with a guy named Sid Mashburn who owns a, a, a clothing brand in Atlanta. And Sid's amazing. And I'm, huge believer in Jesus, but just a fantastic business person. So we would meet, meet with Sid and learn so much. And then David and I and Shane just thought we should record this so that everybody can learn. That's from awesome. From Sid. So that's all we're doing. It's, 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 uh, it's our hobby now. You know, awesome, I, I gave up, I gave up golf because golf wasn't good for my spiritual life. So our, my, my hobby now is just sitting down with uh, primarily business leaders and innovators and entrepreneurs and going, Hey, can we learn from you? And so, and, and we're already going to meet with these folks anyway. So why not, you know, be good stewards, bring some recording equipment and just share it with, uh, with, with the crew. So that is so good. Um, and it is so, and I love it because it's people in all different fields, but what you find out, it's what you said earlier, Jeff, at the end of the day, it really does come down to people. It may be a great idea, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how they work with people, how they raise the capital, how they, you know, influence the teams around them to execute the dream that they have. Absolutely. That is so good. It is well, so y'all are doing a great job. You're going to learn. Well, thank you. You're going to, you're going to learn from people. It's, uh, you know, uh, creativity Inc was, was one of my favorite books from Ed Catmull, the president of Pixar and Disney animation. And he says, you know, you've got to get out of the office. Yep. You've got to get out of the office because that's where the, the great ideas reside. And uh, it's really getting out of the office and talking to people that don't do what you do. Uh, I love guys like you and, you know, we're in this, our same industry and I love learning from them. 
but one of the reasons that Shane and David like hanging out with me and when I introduce them to guys like you, they, they aren't pastors, but they're learning from pastors. Right. So I'll always get ideas in these random locations, whether it's Facebook or Sid Mashburn or, you know, I'm, I'm launching something with another friend of mine, David Salyers for Fathers and Sons called Champion Tribes. Well, we got that idea and something that we did together. Um, and so being able to learn from these other launchers and innovators is helping us help fathers and sons. So I really believe in getting out of the office um, and, and exploring the world out there because it's rare that a great idea has come from inside a cubicle. That's correct. So tell everybody a little bit about what you and David Sawyer's are doing with your champion tribes. Yeah, well, real briefly, we, we had our sons when they were 12 and David had gone, gone through this with his, his, his oldest son and, and he had, he'd gone to a bar mitzvah of a friend of his and he just said it was one of the most powerful things he'd ever seen. And he drove away thinking, I've never once thought about doing a rite of passage with my son. Mm. So he created it and uh, asked me to come speak at it. And it was just five fathers and five sons in his basement. And I was just so amazed by it that I said, hey, when my son Cole is old enough, can we go through this with your youngest son, son Daniel? So we did that. A couple of years ago, you know, when it took a year and a half, but basically it, resi- it results in a father speaking a blessing over their son. And the problem, any, here's what any business leader, any church leader, any nonprofit leader needs to understand is you've got to clearly define what is the problem you're trying to solve. That's where great ideas are born. What is, what, what is, what is, what is the idea that you're trying to solve? or I'm sorry, what is the problem you're trying to solve? So for us, the problem we're trying to solve, once we, we, we went through this with our sons, we had this big blessing ceremony. Our families were there. We're reading these letters of blessing over our kids. Our kids are reading, you know, what they learned in this year and a half. Everybody's crying. And then Dave and I looked at each other and said, we can't let this end here. Well, we've got we've to unleash this to the world. But here's the problem we're trying to solve, is if a young man grows up and he never has a point in time where he received his father's blessing, he will most likely grow up and go looking for his father's blessing in all the wrong places. And I think we have a generation, a multi-generation of men who've grown up, who didn't receive their father's blessing. They don't know how to give their son their blessing. And so we have this ache going on and I see it. And I know you see it all the time yeah. in, your, in, in your line of work too, Mike. I see it. You trace it all the way back to a father wound. That's right. So we're trying to create a moment in time where at the age of 13 or 14, a young man would hear his father stand up and say, I believe in you. Here's the lessons we've learned in this year together. Um, I believe you can be a champion in life. But most of all, I want you to know you have my blessing. We feel like if we can, we feel like we can improve the world one father and son at a time. But the lesson here, I think, for leaders is what is the problem? What's the clearly defined problem? And then figure out how you're going to address the solution. Your idea is the solution, but don't create an idea that then goes looking for a problem. That's, that's a backward approach. I love that. And we'll put a post on the show notes to Jeff for folks to get more information on that, because that is, that's something as a, as a dad, now my son's 23, but boy, you can't, and you can't recreate those years, those years of influence, those years of, you know, now we're, we're peers, and in right. a totally different, a totally different relationship now. And it's still great, but it's different than it was when they were 13 and 12. Man, I miss those days. I really do. I do. And, you know, today, as you all know, middle school is the new high school. That's because right. Of, because of technology, um, they're just being exposed to things at a faster rate. So this is why this age is so critical. 
That's so good. So Jeff, as we wrap up today, I think every leader, there, there are nights we all put our heads on the pillow and we go, gosh, I don't know if I can do this another day. Have you right. walked through one of those seasons of leadership where you go, okay, God, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I was thinking, but I got the white flag handy and I'm ready to wave it. If you've walked through it, how did you get through it? Well, if you haven't walked through it, I hate to break it to you. It's coming, right. <laughs> you know, um, I would say it happens on a very regular basis. I would say probably for me, a big breaking point came two falls ago, about actually about this time, two years ago, we just moved into our building here. Um, and you know, when you, as you well know, Mike, when you move into something like this, that's not the finish line. That's actually the starting line. That's right. You, know, you have the building, the fundraising, the volunteer, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, I just had, uh, some close people, my wife included that approached me and said, Hey, you just don't seem as happy. You, mm. there's just a there's a there's a sadness to you I had turned 50 that year 50 really did a number on me um, and I'd lost a lot of close people including my biggest fan my, my dad and I think that grief just caught up with me so um, North Point was gracious enough to give me 30 days off uh, and uh, a sabbatical and I know in the business world that, that may seem kind of strange I would just say again I feel like again I such a huge believer in the business world, but there's just things that I have to deal with in this role. That's right. Not after I get to deal with, but funerals and crisis, emotion, you know, as Andy says, no one calls us and says, just want to let you know, everything's going great in my life today. Just wanted you to know that today. That's have right. a good day. The phone calls that we get are crisis, problems, challenges, and you, you can wear that. Now that's not to say that you don't wear that stuff in the business world. You, you, you do. So uh, the sabbatical, I would just say, I would say, uh, it was a very hard time, uh, but it was a very, very good time. And um, I try to do something, pull away every 90 days and just kind of reflect. And, um, and then I'm consistently with a counselor uh, on a very regular basis. And I don't, I think we have a fallacy with counselors that the only time you meet with a counselor is when something is going wrong. Um, I, believe, I believe in preventative counseling. That's good. Um, and, um, and there's always something there's always something going on. And so if you're leading whatever number of people it is, and whatever type of organization you are, it just comes with a weight that you might not know that you're carrying. And so getting ahead of that by processing and saying things out loud, whether it's with a counselor, an advisory board, close friends, um, that, that, that's gotta, that's, it's going to happen, but just get ahead of it. So uh, having a, having a consistent group of people that I'm meeting with on a regular basis and assuming that, you know what, this is going to be hard and it is hard. Um, but you don't get any points by being the lone strong leader that doesn't need anybody. That's a fallacy. And that, that, you know what that really is. It really is pride. Yeah. It takes humility to go raise your hand and go, I think I need some help. And I think I know I'm going to need some help. That's the humility test. And, um, if you're not willing to do that, then you know where pride will lead you. Boy, that's good stuff, Jeff. Well, Jeff, I speak for a lot of people. Thank you for not only what you do and the integrity of what you do, thank you for who you are. And man, the, the who you are, I think, is what makes you special, what makes you unique. And then God use all his, uses all of your giftings. But the who has really made a difference on my life and I know on the lives of so many others. So thanks for being on here today. And thank you so much, Jeff, for doing what you do 
and uh, know we're cheering you on. And we look forward to watching all the great ways that God uses Champion Tribes and all the other endeavors you have at Gwinnett Church to make a difference for the kingdom. Well, thanks, Mike. Well, I'm just such a big fan of yours and your church. And uh, thanks for, you know, modeling the way of what, what a leader should really, really be about. So thanks. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed that time with Jeff. I know I sure did. You know, you meet with guys like Jeff, and I think we all have the, we follow them from afar, we watch them, we see them, we read them. I see all of Jeff's preaching videos that are out there through Rocket Company and all the work that he does. I listen to his podcast. I watch him speak. I watch him lead. And I think in my mind and probably in your mind, we go, well, he has arrived. He has figured it out. And what you learn is Jeff is still learning. He is still growing, developing, learning, watching. And I think the lesson for all of us is if you are going to be a great spiritual leader, you will be a lifelong learner. I love that some of the greatest ideas that Jeff is coming up with, he is just beginning now at this season of his life. Jeff is a learner, and that is one of my favorite things that came out today out of our time together and probably the biggest challenge for me. I learned a lot. I loved his stuff on speaking and all the different voices we use speaking, but I think the common thread through it all is we never stop learning. You know, you go back to some of the greatest characters of scripture, their greatest things didn't happen until they were older. I think many of us, if you're not in your 20s or 30s, may feel on the other side of our best days. But I think anything could be, nothing could be further from the truth. I think for many of us, if we will continue growing, we will continue learning, not only in the field that we're in, but spiritually. We never arrive spiritually. And I hope that today you know that to be a great spiritual leader means you will be constantly on a journey of learning leadership through great characters in Scripture, but also through great people who are leading in this world. And I hope our time together with Lynch for a Leader has helped fuel that for you so you can be the leader that God created you to be. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to have you again in our next episode. Learn again with Lynch with a Leader. Have a great day, and I can't wait to be together again soon. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.